Hello and welcome to Press Connect, your weekly bite-size all things automotive and what's current in the news. Hello to Mark. Hi Hayley, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? You see my hair. Uh, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, had a good week? I've had an excellent week. There have been some interesting things going on in the news and it has been having an effect of what's happening at the workshop. And I'm delighted to say that we've got another question in from Sam Moores of Motorsport Valley. How about you? I'm pretty good, actually. Fantastic. We've got uh, questions. Uh, I can see your little dog as well in the background. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to I was going to raise you my Hungarian Vizsla, but I don't know where she is. Um, but no, I had obviously a big birthday in the house and I went for a little spin with Jack in the um, in his uh, new car, which was good. Um, just went back and forth and I was very patient. I was very calm. So it's good to try new things. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was, I think it'd be different when I perhaps uh, start going out in the car with, with Emma, but uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's amazing the coordination because he's looking down at his pedals and he's looking down at his feet when he's supposed to be looking ahead, obviously, and all the things that are going on. So, um, but yeah, it's interesting. So uh, no, the key thing is we can get him some lessons and um he'll uh, he'll start to progress hopefully i think we forget how complicated it is to drive and our roads have never been busier so it's a lot to take in i mean when i learned to drive uh, i was in the military and i had military driving lessons and i had a motorbike for a couple of years so they asked me when do you want to do your test and i said half past eight monday morning please and really, half past eight Monday morning? That's a bit sort of strange. And so I left the camp gates at half past eight on the Monday morning, uh, joined the queue of traffic. I don't think I travelled six foot. And then the hour was up, I'd passed my test. That was me done. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I was thinking about trying to get Jack onto a crash course, but uh, uh, of sorts. But um, but no, it was good. Um, yeah, and all the things that come with it, really. But uh, it was a, it was interesting and like you said it's more it's more complicated than what when you're first starting out again with all the the things that can go on um yeah I was good had a good day so yeah I enjoyed and of it. course on that note our thoughts are with the DVLA following the fire that they had recently uh they are having extreme difficulty in working remotely and with the challenges of the building that they've been operating operating out of for a long time but hopefully they'll be getting a bit of headway there soon and they'll have an easier time of it yes best of best of look to them mm. so what have you got this week what are your three, oh three, my, my, mine is really tech heavy um so it, it's i've got one about the chips shortage which we followed okay. last week so nissan suzuki and mitsubishi are all halting car production due to the ship uh, chip shortage so this continues to unfold and develop it's continuing to cause all sorts of chaos within the production aspect of our industry and we're likely to see ripples within the aftermarket too I've started, uh, well, first of all, tech, just not me. <laughs> Mine's <laughs> all tech this week. I you're am sorry. Tech. I'm you're all asking tech the, this you're week. The, you're asking the wrong person this side of the camera. Uh, but I have started to see it ripple down, actually, and in various Zooms that I've been in and conversations that I've had this week, uh, it has been asked, it has been mentioned. So um, I guess watch this space, really, where we are concerned. It, 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 
Yeah, it does have the potential to bring inertia to all aspects of supply. So if you're a manufacturer that's operating on just-in-time manufacturing processes, which pretty much everybody does these days, um, then this puts a hold up for the acquisition of other components. And then that puts that um, stop then in place for those manufacturing companies that create those components and it then means that they can't get components to the aftermarket so you you see this knock-on inertia as everything comes to a standstill that's interesting um my couple of points this week are actually based around a survey that i did to independent garages uh and my first point on that one is that 74 percent i think 74 percent of garages uh said that business had decreased in april now that's not going to come as a shock to yourself uh with the mot uh, extension kicking in but i think it just really underlines the scale of that um uh, of, of of that whole that whole issue that we've got now and um obviously that's not going to improve anytime soon absolutely and the swmt um has got further uh, sort of mixed news, really. UK car production has rebounded, but it is remaining short of recovery. So we are then going to see an extension of absent April year on year until new car sales start to um, add their numbers to the MOT pool. Uh, we have plans. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to say, I picked up that the when we talk about new cars, used cars, uh, the, the vehicle park is the oldest it's ever been. Absolutely. And uh, there's a couple of contributing factors to that. Um, in uncertainty, people are less likely to buy a new car. Uh, they'll stick with what they know. So 2008 was a good year for us for timing belts and preventative maintenance as people put off the purchase of new cars. Also, you've got a real Betamax fear with new technology with EV and hybrids. So people don't want to be caught short with the wrong kind of plug or the wrong kind of technology. So they're waiting to see that level out. We've also got the news that um, we're going to be having 20% VAT applied to public EV charging. That's going to be happening soon. Uh, so HMRC announced that this week and I'll be watching that news to see how that develops. So early adopters were the beneficiaries then of Absolutely. the EV yeah. technology because obviously well, now when I when I talk to you about that that stat, which is actually if we all went EV tomorrow, the revenue loses 38 billion. Well, they're now looking to get that back. So, I mean, VAT and fuel duty is already applied. So you can't put tax on a tax. So that's why yeah. we have fuel duty and VAT. That's why there's the two, those two aspects there. So applying VAT to EV public charging points, it was something that wasn't entirely unexpected. But as you said, the early adopters enjoyed free charging and then it <laughs> developed into a pay as you go. Um, there is development further, so you don't have to sign up to app-based um, programs in order to access public um, charging. There is a, a real pressure from motorists that they should be able to purchase electricity in the same manner that they buy petrol or diesel and mm -hmm. uh, this is getting normalized further into the application of VAT at the point of public charging. Right that's going to be very interesting and really if you interesting. look at if you look at the well I'll say my second point in, uh, in terms of electric vehicles in the survey that we did uh, we asked about uh, what independent garages uh, attitudes were um, towards EV, we had 25% say that they were already trained on how to service and repair electric vehicles. 53% weren't trained, but they were interested. 
in, in getting trained. And then there is a 22% that is not trained or likely to be trained on electric vehicles. So I think if you the, take the two together, you're getting on to uh, almost 80% of independent garages who um, are well aware of what's coming and well aware. And, and I think with, with a bit of positivity, with support, they will embrace the new technologies as they always have done over the, the decades. Absolutely. I mean, it's been an act of self-preservation to remain abreast of the latest in technology and the developments thereof. Um, so this is a normal part of our industry. Um, it does have a danger that it, it might accelerate natural wastage. Um, the MOT assessment has become uh, a point of acceleration for natural wastage as people consider retirement and exiting the industry. Um, so it would be interesting to see if this is bringing forward decisions to exit the sector, uh, if it has any impact at all. But it's now become a date point. So where you will always have natural wastage, people will want to exit the career at one point or another, um, we're now seeing a motivator, a, a calendar date as to when to exit the sector. Mm. Um, so I think with the amount of technology that's coming through with cars, um, level of motorist expectation, um, difficult working environments, especially following the pandemic, um, MOT assessments, it's all becoming quite quite a pressure really and if you're yeah. considering exiting the industry it, you can see why people would bring that decision forward perhaps yeah it is you know i take um a, a, a lot of let's say opposition to when people say that we're not as a trade uh you know in agreement on various different things and i think that um whilst you're on the field of play you're competitive obviously there are competitors but we are still ultimately moving towards the same goal um interestingly when we talk about staffing or apprentices again my final point on the survey is that uh, only 16 percent of garages expected to increase their staffing levels and i think it was when we got to apprenticeships uh the question was that 61 percent of garages didn't employ apprentices so um when you mentioned the skill shortage, there is a lot to go at and a lot to um, uh, to look at for, for many independent garages. Work-based learning is a significant part of our recruitment process within the sector. Um, protecting those environments has to be prioritised and we need to have the skills already within the sector in order to enable work-based learning to happen in the first place. So as you know, I've been working um, at uh, providing consultation for government and things like that as to what especially the independent, the small garage could use as government support in order to enable the future of work-based learning. And your final point, uh, what's this I see about self-driving vehicles? Self-driving vehicles trialling in Cambridge, how exciting. Um, so they are public vehicles, they hold about 10 people. Uh, there is news about it on the BBC website. I'm really excited to see it. It looks like it might be some kind of tram type right, arrangement. Okay. I, I'm really excited about it. I'm looking forward to reading into it further. And Does it scare you? 
No, absolutely not. I think this is a really good rollout for this technology and Cambridge lends itself really well um, to, to this kind of provision of public transport. So it's an exciting step forward. We're still a long way off private self-driving uh, capability, but it is a step in the right direction. And Japan are also for their um passenger transport for their public transport they're bringing in fuel cell for high-speed shuttles so okay. really and two seconds because obviously we record this live someone's at my door two seconds <laughs> oh i love it when this happens it's like zoom bingo is there a barking dog is there a parcel at the door you know it's just so exciting love it I'll back. don't worry <laughs> It's good because I think it's going to start singing. <laughs> Do you know what the best thing is that most of the time that doorbell rings, those parcels aren't even for me or anyone in this household. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think um, I, I think the novelty will be really. Int oh, I know we've, we've had self-driving vehicles already, haven't we? Coventry, Milton Keynes, um, Birmingham has in also introduced a clean air zone as well, which came into effect on Monday. So. Um, I actually go, I'm going into Birmingham tomorrow, so I'll, I'll look out for that. Uh, well, as interesting ever, we... MOT point is if you change an engine in a car, if the car is younger than the engine that you've replaced it with, the emission standard applied is to the engine, the older part of the car. If you have an older car and you put a newer engine in it, then the emission standard applied is to the age of the car. So, for example, I have a Subaru powered 1961 Volkswagen campervan that has been booked in for MOT um, that does not need emissions because it's a 1961 vehicle. Mm, interesting. Very. <laughs> okay, that'd be interesting to look at. I think the cost might uh, be prohibitive in the... Uh, in, in... Oh, I think people are going to find solutions and it's yeah. not so much looking for loopholes, it is finding solutions that work for them within their environment. Um, so I think it's going to be a very small uptake uh, for engine conversion into older vehicles and I think it's more likely that people will explore the EV opportunity for classic cars if they're going to be doing anything. But who knows, it'd be a good one to watch. Oh, what question? we've got questions. Oh, yes, better get to the question. We, questions. we have questions. We have right. listeners. Sam Moores from Motorsport Valley was thinking within the motorsport industry, 3D printing technology is advancing at an incredible rate. Days of fabricating parts are numbered. And do you think that this could lead to a demand for um, 3D part printing? Right. Well, this already happens. Um, I have a 1989 um, Nissan Pow, which nobody knows what that is because there weren't really many of them made um, and 3D printing is a huge part of the import community. Um, they're not making components that are like part of the drivetrain or anything like that and I, I think from Sam's experience he's seeing sort of quite meaty components being made um, but yeah I can buy a, a package and download it and print myself off like an indicator stalk or something like that. And I think for the aftermarket, having 3D printing just makes so much sense, especially for things like switches and dashboard components and stuff like that. And I already pay for lots of data. I don't really see this as any different paying for the data to print a component off. Okay. If we're going to be printing in-house things like brake components, I'm aware that this is possible with technology but I think we're quite a way off that 
rolling mm. that out into the it, um, aftermarket. But thank you, Sam. That's a great question. No, it is. And um, from an aftermarket point of view, the, the RWF, uh, who has a new chief executive, by the way, uh, did actually... <laughs> who actually did did, did tackle uh, this subject in one of their conferences many years ago? Uh, we had a um, a gentleman, I think, from Warwick University, I think, uh, who actually discussed this. So, uh, uh, but we are coming to the end because I'm running out of time today on Press Connect. Um, my final thing is to say, have a good bank holiday weekend. What are you doing? Anything fun? Uh, it's my father's 70th birthday. Uh, I plan oh. to be having a couple of drinks and cake in the garden with him. Just a couple? Just one or two. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you very much for tuning in to Press Connect. Please uh, subscribe to our channel and remember to um, touch base with us next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.